federal regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad that you are with us on the program today. We're going to be focusing on campus carry on today's show. Because down in Florida, a state representative has introduced for the third time in three years a campus carry bill. Now, it should be noted that the campus carry legislation that was introduced last year in Florida did not even get a committee hearing. So it is entirely possible that uh, the campus carry legislation filed by uh, Representative Anthony Sabatini in Florida this year is going to meet with the same fate. I hope not. I hope that it actually gets... Uh, a, a real opportunity to uh, to be heard and voted on in the Florida legislature. But the forces uh, against campus carry in Florida are already starting to speak out. Uh, John Thrasher, who is the head of Florida State University, getting ready to step down, actually. He's already announced that he's retiring next year. He, uh, he gave his final State of the University address. Yeah, because apparently that's a thing now. It's not just a State of the Union, not just a State of the State. I got the state of the university. How 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 like far down do we have to go? Does somebody ever give like a state of the quick trip address? You think? I don't know. Anyway, John Thrasher, president of Florida State University, used that uh, final state of the university address to rail against the idea of campus carry. He said, uh, "Quote: I don't want to this to be the top uh, of the story, by the way, but I want to make the pledge to you one more time that I've made every year." that I will continue to fight any kind of campus carry legislation. Now, it's worth noting that John Thrasher is a former Republican Florida House Speaker and State Senator. He said, we've all experienced enough heartache to know that more guns on campus do not make us any safer. Is that true? Because Florida State, you know, they have had a shooting there on the campus of Florida State without a campus carry law in place. In other words, the individual who brought that gun onto campus did so in violation of the law. Uh, any of the 2.19 million, yeah, nearly 2,200,000 Floridians who have a concealed carry license, none of them were lawfully carrying on campus that day. In fact, I'm I, I, you know, not, not allowed to carry on campus. But the individual with ill intent didn't give a damn that they were prohibited by law from carrying a firearm onto the campus of Florida State. Because criminals really don't care what the carry laws are. If anything, they look at a gun-free zone and say, oh, good, more unarmed victims. Um, so I disagree with John Thrasher's assertion, by the way, that uh, more guns on campus make us less safe. As a matter of fact, there is some evidence to back up my assertion that Thrasher is full of <laughs> uh, Colorado State University. When Colorado adopted campus carry way back in 2002, something interesting happened in Colorado State University. The number of reported crimes on campus actually declined. Yeah, they didn't go up. It's also worth noting that none of the states that have passed campus carry laws in recent years have actually rescinded them. Not one state has put this law in the books and then went back a couple of years later and said, you know what, we gave it the, the old college try, uh, but, you know, it's been mayhem. 
it's been chaos ever since. We've got to do something to uh, uh, get rid of campus carry. It hasn't happened. Not in Texas. Not in Kansas. Not in any of these states that have adopted campus carry measures. In fact, it's interesting. The opposition to campus carry tends to die once campus carry is actually put into effect. Do you remember, uh, this is a couple of years ago when Kansas passed its campus carry law. And we saw this in Texas too. You had uh, university officials, professors, who said, I, I'm, I'm not going to continue to teach here. This is, this is unsafe and I don't want to be in this environment, so I'm leaving. Uh, in uh, Kansas, a professor actually ended up going to teach in uh, Australia excuse me, Australia, in uh, Texas, there was a professor who ended up moving to Pennsylvania to go teach. So they didn't have to, uh, you know, be around those icky concealed carry holders. Yeah. And yet, in neither Kansas nor Texas, have there been any issues with concealed carry holders on campus? Why would there be? You know, it was interesting, actually, when the issue came up in Texas a couple of years ago, the uh, University of Texas Provost, uh, Admiral William McRaven, he was vociferously opposed to the idea of campus carry. He objected to it. By the way, he might end up getting appointed in a uh, Biden administration uh, to one position or another. But uh, when he was at UT, mm -mm, he did not want anything to do with campus carry. The chancellor of the Texas A&M system, on the other hand, uh, wrote a letter to the state legislature as they were debating the issue. And he said, look, Here's my feelings on the issue. These folks who are concealed carry holders, well, they're obeying the law off campus. They're not getting into trouble on campus now. So why would we assume that if they can legally carry on campus, that all of a sudden they're going to become completely different people, that they're going to be uh, irresponsible, that they're going to be dangerous, when they're not dangerous right now on or off campus? Why would them simply being able to legally carry their lawfully owned firearm that they can legally carry all over the state of Texas? Why would that change just because they can now carry onto a college campus? This is a great question because that is the, the primary argument that we hear against campus carry. Well, the, these, these college kids are just not mature enough. They're just not responsible enough. Well, that's not the issue because it's not like campus carry lowers the age that somebody can obtain a concealed carry license. It doesn't. It simply says that people who possess a concealed carry license can now carry on a college campus in these buildings. So you're not changing who can carry. You're changing where people who can carry can carry. That's it. So the argument, wow, well, just, just dumb, drunken college students. You may think college students are a bunch of complete morons. But if they're 21 years of age in Florida, they can get a concealed carry license. And they can lawfully carry all over the place. They just can't carry on a campus right now. Uh, last year, when the issue came up in the state of Florida, there was um, a little bit of discussion about this. Uh, uh, this was the um, student newspaper for Florida A&M, the Thamuan, I believe is how you pronounce that. Uh, they had uh, a story about this, and they had a couple of quotes that are worth uh, highlighting. Florida Education Association President Frederick Ingram Believes the bill could cause some concern for student safety. Says what you don't want to face is a situation where you have a student or students who disagree with each other or a professor and they start to enact some type of violence. I agree. Yeah, you definitely don't want to see that. But why would campus carry enable that? 
Uh, do we do we currently have a situation on campuses where students get angry about a grade or they get angry during a classroom discussion and they start to throw a punch? I, I mean, I would think that would be newsworthy. I, I haven't seen those headlines, but I would think that would be a story that would probably be talked about, at least within student newspapers. There'd be some sort of coverage. That doesn't seem to happen. So why would we assume that a concealed carry holder is all of a sudden going to get in an argument with a uh, fellow student or professor and then pull out their gun. Again, that doesn't happen off campus. Concealed carry holders are, generally speaking, far more law-abiding than the general population. At least they are arrested at a rate lower than the general population in the state of Florida, in the state of Texas, in virtually every state across the union. So again, what's, what's the problem other than a hypothetical fear now, the uh, Famuan newspaper also uh, said that advocates argue that allowing concealed weapons on campus would help safety concerns, while opponents believe that campus carry laws would do the opposite and would leave students feeling unsafe. Uh, Ingram went on to say colleges and universities are safe havens for students. They shouldn't have to worry about who the other student is with a gun. Okay, well, first of all, do you worry when you go to the grocery store? I, 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 I'm just paralyzed with fear. I can't get out of my car because I might run into a concealed carry holder. Do you worry about that when you go to the restaurant? I mean, yeah, not, not you, because I'm assuming that you're probably pro-gun. Mr. Ingram, do you think Mr. Ingram there in Florida gives that a second thought when he gets out of his car to go grocery shopping or he runs in to grab a bite to eat or he goes to the mall or he's driving down the street? Does he, does, I mean, how often does he think, oh, I wonder where the concealed carry holders are? They could be anywhere. Because again, there are 2 million of them in Florida. So I guarantee that Mr. Ingram is running into concealed carry holders on a regular basis. He just doesn't know it. And doesn't get freaked out about it because he doesn't think about it. So again, what would be different about these same individuals who are already carrying elsewhere, being able to carry on a college campus in the state of Florida? The uh, Famuan also talked with a, a recent graduate of Florida A&M, Teresa Ballard, who says that she's unsure about the legislation. Now, again, this was last year. She said it believes that uh, she believes that it could both help and hurt student safety on campus. She said, I think to a certain extent, people will feel, uh, feel safe and threatened. I would feel safe if I could carry my weapon because a life or death situation waiting for help can take too long. Well, she's right. Which is the argument, one of the arguments for campus carry. And again, campuses, in some cases, may have less crime than the surrounding neighborhoods. That's not always the case. But even if a campus were perfectly safe and secure, most college students actually don't live on campus. Certainly most faculty don't. So what about when you're on your way to class? Or maybe you're on your way back to your off-campus apartment where you're driving home at night from the, uh, uh, the office there to your home. Maybe you got to walk to your car. What about those circumstances and those situations? You know, again, those who are opposed to campus care say, well, it's no big deal. Get a buddy. Uh, you know, we got those uh, blue emergency lights. Just run to the light, pick up the phone, call campus police if, if you're in danger. But you know, you know, this is a safe haven here. Is it really? Because it seems to me like, again, all those security measures 
would indicate that there is a concern about students and faculty being the victims of violent crime. It's just that uh, some folks don't want those individuals to be able to protect themselves with a firearm. This is an issue that I have covered for a long time. Uh, and my first exposure to the, the idea of campus carry came a few years ago. Well, more than a few years ago now. Um, when I interviewed a, a young woman who was a student at the University of Nevada, Reno. And she was a concealed carry holder. Um, but there was a prohibition on campus. You had to get specific permission from the university president in order to be able to carry. And at the time, there was a guy that was running around sexually assaulting women. Um, this student at UNR would have loved to have been able to carry, but again, legally she couldn't. And one night, she was um, walking out of an evening class. She was with a group of uh, fellow students, and they were walking to a parking garage where Amanda had parked her car. She was within sight of the campus police department, which was located there in the parking garage. She could see the police cruisers. Uh, she turned to say goodbye to her friend. She had about 40 feet or so to walk from when she separated with that group to get to her own car. Police department again right there. Nobody's at the police department, though. Uh, our office hours are closed, so there are no officers around. As Amanda Collins approached her car, a guy jumped up from between two vehicles, grabbed her, pulled her down to the ground, and sexually assaulted her. This guy went on to kill a uh, co-ed off campus a short time later. After Amanda Collins was raped, after she was raped, while this guy was still on the loose, the university president told Amanda Collins that she could carry. She could now carry a gun for her personal safety on campus after she was raped. But the president told Amanda to not, to not tell anybody else. Keep it a secret. Because if everybody knew that Amanda was carrying for self-defense, well, other people would want to carry for self-defense too. Yeah. The university president was right. They would. And why not? They too were just as at risk of being the victim of a violent sexual assault. And why shouldn't they want to protect themselves? Amanda Collins sat down for an interview with me. I was the first uh, journalist that actually spoke to her about what happened. And I continue to this day to admire Amanda Collins' courage in speaking out about what happened to her and advocating for campus carry so that what happened to her doesn't happen to any other woman. You know, John Thrasher, the president of Florida State University, can try to put the campus carry issue like way up here at 50,000 feet, right? Make it all sound hypothetical. Well, you know, they're going to uh, make people more unsafe and feel insecure. You know what makes people feel insecure? Not being able to protect themselves. 
And why should your right to armed self-defense stop at the boundary of a college campus? Why should you as a concealed carry holder be able to walk down one street armed for your own protection, but commit a crime when you walk across the campus quad? You're the same person, same gun. The only thing has changed is where you are. And sadly, again, crime takes place on college campuses. Our right of self-defense does not disappear when we cross that invisible boundary and we enter the you know, ivy-covered walls of academia. Our rights remain intact. And that should include our right to keep and bear arms. So... We'll be following this campus carry bill in Florida. Again, it may go nowhere this next session. It's gone nowhere the last two sessions. Higher ed lobby in Florida, adamantly opposed to this language. But they shouldn't be. Because self-defense is a human right. And no matter where you are, as a law-abiding gunner, somebody who's been licensed by the state, you've got your permission slip to uh, bear arms, you should have the right to do so, to protect yourself and others. In my opinion, it is just that simple. All right, let's get to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, our uh, recidivist report. We'll start there, and we're actually going to stay in uh, Detroit for the next couple of stories. So we're going to start with our recidivist report. Uh, this from the Detroit News. Man charged in Detroit car wash lane, absconded probation three years ago. So um, this individual, 34-year-old man, Ulysses Doyle III, arraigned on Thanksgiving on charges of first-degree premeditated murder, uh, along with two counts of felony firearm, as well as being a felon in possession of a firearm. Charges stem from an argument back on October the 20th at a car wash in Detroit. One man pulled a gun, fired at least four shots, hitting the 42-year-old victim in the chest. Suspect then fled a month later. Uh, Doyle was arrested. He's due for a probable cause conference on December the 10th, preliminary examination on December the 17th. Uh, and as it turns out, authorities in Michigan had been looking for Ulysses Doyle III for years before the U.S. Marshals actually caught up with him in Ohio. Uh, he was on probation that stemmed from a plea deal in April of 2016 in Wayne County for failure to register as a sex offender. In that plea deal... Two other charges were dropped in return. We'll, we'll get to those original charges, which, by the way, date all the way back to 2004. And this case didn't even get to a plea deal until 12 years later. What the hell, man? The wheels of justice grind slowly. Uh, after he took the plea deal, he was sentenced to two years, three months probation under supervision. Supervision lasted about a year and a half. He absconded from supervision in December of 2017. According to the Detroit News, the underlying sex offense took place in August of 2004. Again, this case was not resolved until 2016. Back in 2004, Ulysses Doyle III faced four charges, criminal sexual conduct in the fourth degree involving force or coercion, indecent exposure, and two show-cause hearings for probation violations. That October 2004, the indecent exposure charge was dismissed. Doyle pleaded guilty to the other three, he was given three years probation for the criminal sexual conduct charge. 
At the sentencings for the uh, two show cause hearings, he was never given additional probation or uh, jail time. So, wanted for years, not much time, in fact, not any time, for criminal sexual assault. And uh, now, 34-year-old Ulysses Doyle III, facing uh, first-degree murder charges, as well as uh, two counts of a felony firearm and being a felon in possession of a firearm. And he is the subject of today's recidivist report. Now, our armed citizen stories of the day, also both from Detroit, wrote about this at uh, Bering Arms a little bit earlier today. Uh, Two Detroit intruders stopped in two separate armed citizen actions. The first one taking place on Monday night when a 22-year-old with a long gun burst into a man's home on the northwest side of the city. Once inside, he confronted the uh, homeowner at gunpoint. Some point during the incident, police say the resident, who's a concealed carry holder, that doesn't matter when you're in your own home, but whatever, he was a concealed carry holder. He drew his own firearm, fired multiple shots at the 22-year-old intruder, striking him and fatally wounding him. The investigation continues, but at this point, it looks to be a pretty clear-cut case of self-defense. The second incident in Detroit this week is even a, a, much, a more clear-cut case of self-defense. In that situation, which occurred about 24 hours after the first one, actually a little bit less than 24 hours because it was Tuesday afternoon, uh, a 38-year-old woman who owns a home on the city's uh, east side spotted a guy in her surveillance, her home surveillance footage, coming into her house, but she could never see him leave. And she looked through the house. Nobody could find anybody. So later that night, she's there, and she hears kind of a thumping, right? So she gets her gun. She starts investigating where the noise is coming from. She hears that it's coming from the attic. Now, at that point, honestly, in a horror movie, if we were watching this, we'd be yelling, Get out of the house! Don't go up there. But she did. She had her firearm with her. She went up into the attic. Couldn't see anybody, but she said, whoever's there, show yourself. She saw some movement in the shadows. And she fired, striking the man. Officers arrived. They uh, applied a tourniquet. Medics transported the uh, suspect to a hospital. 19-year-old man. Last reported to be stable. Uh, Once he's released from the hospital, he is going to be taken to the Detroit Detention Center. And the uh, 38-year-old who protected herself, not facing any charges, again, she was within her right to uh, do so. This guy did not have a right to be in her home, and she felt like her life was in danger, so she uh, shot and wounded him. As I said at Bearing Arms, I'm really kind of surprised that these stories haven't gotten more local attention. I'm not surprised anymore when armed citizen stories are ignored by the national media. Even when they're really compelling stories like this one, it just doesn't surprise me. National media generally does not have any interest whatsoever in taking notice when people exercise their Second Amendment rights in self-defense. Somebody uses a gun to commit a crime? Oh, that's newsworthy. Somebody uses a gun to save their own life? Not worth talking about. That's generally the attitude that the national media has. Local media, on the other hand, including local media in Detroit, I have found to be much more receptive to reporting on these stories. A, they are newsworthy. 
but B, I, the, the anti-gun bias in the local media, I don't think is as prevalent as it is in the national media. So I am kind of surprised that these two stories have not received the attention that I think they, they should have within the local press in Detroit. But uh, I'm sure word is getting around, and I bet our friend uh, Rick Hector, firearms instructor there in Detroit, legally armed in Detroit is the uh, name of his company, Detroit CCW on Facebook. I, I have a feeling that Rick has been getting some calls this week as a result of these stories. All right, finally today, our good deed of the day from the Buffalo, New York area, where the uh, Niagara Society for the Protection of Cruelty to Animals, or Prevention for Cruelty to Animals, uh, saved three dogs recently. Two of these dogs look like they're already going to get adopted by the police officers who actually helped save these animals in the first place. Yeah, I love this story. WKBW uh, with the uh, story. Tim Brennan, the executive director of the Niagara County uh, SPCA, said that a neighbor happened to see one of these dogs in a crate uh, in a backyard walking on three legs. And upon closer inspection, they saw another dog in the same cage lying down. The uh, dog with three legs, his name's Foreign. The uh, pup in the cage is Hemi. Actually had sores on his body from being kept in the cage for so long. Uh, But Buffalo police helped the SPCA remove the dogs, take them to local shelter. Brennan said it's really amazing when you see the look in their eyes. You can really see that they now understand that they are in a place where they can trust again. Another dog named Christmas was uh, rescued on Tuesday as a stray. Brennan said she's extremely emaciated, but the sweetest personality you'll ever meet. Uh, Christmas is actually still up for adoption. So if you're in the Buffalo area, you're looking for a, uh, you know, a, a way to make these holidays a little more special. Well, there you go. Christmas is available. But Hemi looks like he's already been adopted. Brennan said the nice story about Hemi is that the police officer involved in this rescue, he and his wife decided to adopt Hemi. And there is a sheriff's deputy that's very interested in adopting foreign. We're very happy to report that both of them will be going to great homes. So Christmas is still there at the uh, Niagara SPCA. 17 other dogs waiting to find their forever homes as well. But uh, those police officers in the right place at the right time, willing and able to uh, help these dogs out, not only get them out of a bad situation, but uh, now helping them find their forever home. We thank you both for your very good deeds, and we hope that you enjoy spending your life with the very good boys. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program today. Uh, I'm working on an interview with a, a, a Congress critter-elect. We've been kind of going back and forth with the press office. I'd love to be able to confirm it and say, hey, we're going to be talking to Congress critter so-and-so on tomorrow's program, but I, I can't tell you that because we haven't got it confirmed yet. So fingers crossed that we're talking to a, a Congress critter-elect on tomorrow's program, but um, that may not be the case. I know, however, we will be covering the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation, so be sure to tune in. And, of course, be sure to check out BarryAndArms.com throughout the day for even more of the latest coverage regarding your right to keep and bear arms. Have a great rest of your Thursday. We'll see you back here tomorrow, but in the meantime, be well. Be safe and be free. We'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. 